It's football season. How many of you are excited for football season? A lot of you out there are excited for football. You have college football, NFL football. Well, back in my day, I said this in the first service, I think I can actually say that now. Back in my day, I graduated 20 years ago. So back in my day, I played football for a long time, from when I was six years old all the way through high school. So I played a lot of football. But the one thing about football, and those of you who have played football, especially high school, will agree with me. I hated summer preseason camp. I hated it with a passion. I dreaded it every year. You would think I would learn this year it's bad. Well, same year over and over, it's bad. But the thing was, all of us who played knew it was coming. You knew in high school on July 15, the pain started. We knew it was going to be long. We knew it was going to be hard. We knew there was going to be one practice, two practice, even three practices a day. We knew that was coming. We knew it was going to be unbearable. We knew the heat would be bad. It's not like nowadays where they go out and take the temperature there and they cancel practice. It didn't happen. I always felt like it was a million degrees any time we practiced. It would rain all day, and as soon as the coach would walk out of the locker room, it would stop. We knew that. There was no water breaks. We knew we would hurt. We knew we would be in pain. But we knew it was coming. We were prepared. We were told what was going to happen. We had to scratch and claw every day just to get through. There was doubt in every single one of our minds that we were going to be able to get through the practices. Every single one of us had doubt. But through perseverance... Even though there were times we all wanted to quit, turn our equipment and walk away and quit. And believe me, there were some who quit. My senior year, we had five guys at one of our starters. We had a camp where we had to stay at the school all week long, like three practices a day. Five of our starters quit because they wouldn't persevere through it. But for those who persevered through the tough practices, through the blood, sweat, and tears, we got a reward. What was our reward in football? We got to play the games. We got to score touchdowns. We got to catch passes. We got to make tackles. We got to pancake the other team. That's what we got to do. That was our reward. Now let's see about perseverance in our scripture today. You would read with me on Jude 17 through 25. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit, But you, beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Look at verse 22. And have mercy on those who doubt. 
Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Verse 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, and now and forever. Amen. We see in our passage today from the early church, when this was written all the way to now and in the future, we are going to have to persevere. We are going to have to persevere through some tough times. If you haven't noticed, the times that we're living in aren't great. They're not. We are going to have to persevere through these times. We will need to have determination, grit, endurance, and persistence, all words similar to perseverance. This verse I'm going to read sounds familiar. We just read it a minute ago. Philippians 3, 13-14. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Hebrews 3.14 says, For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. I want to show you something before we jump in. I want you to see something in Ephesians 2.4. We see two powerful words, but God. These two words are the heart of the gospel, but God. We see we were dead in our trespasses. We were dead in our sins. We followed the world and what the world had to offer. And guess what? We had no right to salvation, none at all. We were dead in our trespasses, dead in our sins. We did not deserve salvation. But those two words, but God. Changes everything. Rich in his mercy, the love which he loved us and made us alive in him. Together we are alive in Christ. Because it is by grace we are saved. By grace, through faith, we have been saved. Our passage today doesn't begin with, but God. It begins with, but you. Very different. But you tells us all about Christian discipleship. Tells us about perseverance through these times that we're living in now. In our section today, we will continue to talk and highlight the false teachers that we talked about last week. But now we will see how we should respond as believers to them. How us as believers should respond to them. Our first point I want us to see today is we must remember. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus. What this is saying is what this means is that we must remember 
that we were told it would be this way. The things that are happening in our world today, from the church then to now to the future, we were told is going to happen. Why would God make such a prophecy known to us? The answer is pretty clear. So that when it happens, we are not surprised. There's no reason that we should be surprised what the world we're living in now. And as we'll see going forward, there's no surprise that there will be scoffers and false teachers. There should be no surprise because that's what we were told. We were prepared. As if we didn't know it was coming. We are prepared and told what was going to happen. Judah's telling us, you better remember that nothing is happening now that hasn't already happened before. We can look back there and know the times that we're living in now are the same as the times that this was written. 2 Peter 1, 12-13 says, Therefore I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have, I think it right as long as I am in this body to stir you up by way of reminder. What Peter is telling us is, until I die, I'm going to remind you. Until Jesus takes me home, I'm going to remind you. Again, it's very important for us to remember. Look at verse 18, it says, They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. First off, I want us to see, before we dig into this verse, I want to see the last times. That's a scary term, the last times, the end times. But we see here, we are living in the last times, this time between when Jesus ascends into heaven until Jesus comes back. Those are the end times. This term is called the time of the church, the church age. So we are living in the end times. We have been for a long time. Guys, there will be scoffers. What is a scoffer? Some of your translations may have mockers, but a scoffer is someone who ridicules the beliefs of others. In Hebrew, scoffer literally means an ambassador. Not only does a scoffer disagree with something, but they are ambassadors to the opposite idea. So not only do they disagree, but they are an ambassador to the opposite of that idea. Listen, scoffers sow doubt. Scoffers sow distrust. When I say they sow doubt, scoffers who made their way into the church sow doubt by saying, do you really believe that? Do you really believe the gospel is true? Do you really believe that Jesus is all you need and that Jesus is enough? Do you really believe that? Is the Bible really authoritative? Does it still mean the same thing then that it does now? Does it still mean something? Is it still true? Listen, false teachers are here now. They sold out, scoffers sold out today. 
I could go on for hours speaking to you how, but a few things we see, they teach you, scoffers teach you, and so doubt that if you are not happy, you're not doing okay. If you're not happy, you don't have enough faith. I can sit up here and tell you the last year to two years, all the things that happened in our lives, my family's life, and you wouldn't believe me. But that stuff happened. It hasn't been easy. It hasn't been happy. The last week hasn't been happy. Does that mean I'm doing something wrong? No. They sold out by saying, you, if you're not happy, you're doing something wrong. You control your own narrative. Everything is great. Everything is hunky-dory. But that's not how life works. And if you're not feeling this way, you're doing something wrong. If you're not rich, you're not, you're not having enough faith. You're not doing the right things if you don't have a bunch of money. They sow that doubt in people's minds all over the world. Scoffers sow distrust. They say, can you really trust what your local pastor says? I'm on TV. I know more than him. I have this huge ministry. Can you really trust your pastor? What he is saying is true. Can I trust the leadership of my church? Can I trust and know that they are doing the best things for our church? Scoffers sow doubt and distrust. Scoffers are real. They're here today. They're in Shepherdsville. They're in Louisville. They're all over the place. They're not going away. 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen says, For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. 2 Peter 2, 1 says, But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. So everyone needs to know about scoffers. So we've seen what scoffers are, but what does the Bible say we are to do about scoffers? First thing, let's look at Proverbs 21, 24. Scoffer is the name of the arrogant, haughty man who acts with arrogant pride. So first we see a scoffer is arrogant, haughty, and full of pride. We see that. The second thing, Proverbs 22.10 says, this is, this is important, drive out a scoffer, and strife will go out, and quarreling and abuse will cease. Powerful. Drive them out. When you see quarreling and abuse in the church, there's scoffers there. And we are to drive them out, and that will cease. Proverbs 24, 9 says, The devising or folly is sin, and a scoffer is an abomination to mankind. An abomination to mankind is what a scoffer is. Scoffers follow their own ungodly passions. They 
don't follow the passions of Christ. They don't follow God. They follow the passions of their own ungodly selves. Scoffers divide. That's what they do. When they infiltrate a church, they divide it. Again, scoffers are worldly people without the Holy Spirit. They're lost. Scoffers don't belong to Jesus. They're not saved. You know who they belong to? They belong to the world. They completely lack and are void of the Holy Spirit. Scoffers have weaved their way into the church. So we as the church, we are going to have to persevere knowing that, knowing that they are here. They are in the church. And again, they're not going anywhere till guess what? Till Jesus comes back. They're going to be here. We're going to have to endure that. We're going to have to fight through that. We're going to have to seek out sound doctrine. We have to seek out and study and learn sound doctrine. Which leads us to our next point. The next point to, for us to persevere in the end times. We must remain. The second time we see the word phrase, but you. The first time we saw this, it was to get the attention of the church to know the difference between the scoffers and the real church. Now, Judah's telling us to build ourselves up in the most high faith. For us to be able to survive and persevere in these times, we must be built up in our faith. So what that means is we have to understand and must be strong in the understanding of our faith. We have to understand what we believe in. What is your faith in? We have to know and understand and be strong in our faith. So what are we to do? You should have one of these in front of you. You read one of these. You read it all the time. You study your Bible. We have to learn what the truth is. If we don't know what the truth is, how can we recognize what error is? If you don't know what the truth is of the Bible, how are you going to recognize the error that the scoffers and false teachers are preaching? Jew doesn't tell us to make some sort of counter-movement against what the scoffers say. That's not what he tells us to do. But he does tell us to oppose the error with truth. In order to do that, we have to know what the truth is. We have to know our Bibles. We have to. Because some of these people are very good at twisting it to make it sound right, but it's not. We have to know what the truth is. Acts twenty twenty nine says, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in amongst you, 
not sparing the flock. These people aren't nice. Scoffers are in it for a reason. There are fierce wolves who will come in not sparing the flock. There are some other key ways to help us persevere in the last times. First one being praying in the Holy Spirit. Well, how do you pray in the Holy Spirit? We do that by praying in the will of the Spirit. We should pray the way He would want us to pray. How many of you struggle sometimes to know what to pray for? I do. I don't know what the words to say all the time. But we are to pray consistently. Pray, pray, pray. Romans 8, 26-27 says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what it is, the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Sorry about that. When we pray in the Spirit, simply stated, we line up with the will of God. We pray and line everything up with the will of God. Another way we can do this persevering is keeping yourselves in the love of God. We have talked about building ourselves up in the most high faith, praying in the Spirit. Those two both all surround this main point, this main idea of keeping yourselves in the love of God. Now, we need to stay in this zone of God's love. We need to stay in that, picture it as a circle, we need to stay in that circle we need to keep ourselves in that place where we experience the, the blessings that God loves brings us. I would rather be in that circle, be in God's circle, be surrounded by Him, than the opposite. We don't want to be in the opposite circle where we live in a place where we feel His wrath and punishment. I've been there. I've done that. I don't want that anymore. I want to be in God's circle for His blessings, for His love. That's what I want to be in. John 15, 9-10 says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So keeping yourself in the love of God means to keep yourself obedient. We are to be obedient to what God has called us to do, what he has told us to do. Guess what? When we are obedient to God, we will enjoy the fullness of His love. Is everything going to be great? No. But we are still in the fullness of His love. Now this next point is hard. Believe me, it's the hardest thing I ever do. And maybe the same as you. And that is waiting. Who likes to wait? I hate waiting and everything. I'm so impatient. It seems like we have to wait on everything in our life. When you're a kid, you can't wait to graduate high school. You can't wait to get married. You can't wait to get a job. You can't wait to have kids. When you go to the doctor, you wait in the waiting room forever. Waiting is everywhere. We have to wait, wait, wait. 
when it comes to waiting in our passage, it goes against who we are. We have to wait. How many of you are ready for Jesus to come back? Everybody should be ready for, ready for Jesus to come back, right? But we have to wait. We have to live in the light of waiting for Jesus to come back. Waiting for that ultimate time where he's coming back. We are to live for the future, to live for eternal life with Christ forever. We are to be eager and have an eager anticipation of Jesus' return. That's how we should live. Again, we have to do something that doesn't come natural to us. We have to wait. Wait anxiously for him to come. In the Greek, waiting means to wait with great expectancy. Literally means live your life waiting for Jesus to come back. This is what I love. I love this. I hate waiting, but when it comes to waiting, there is always an end. Whatever you're waiting on, ultimately there's always an end. We must persevere till the end. There is a goal. As a Christian, we have a goal. That goal will be met. The waiting will be over. But the times we're living in now, we must wait. Our third and final point is, we must reach. With the times we were living in, we have seen that scoffers have entered the church and are everywhere. I want to hammer that home, too, because I want you to understand that the scoffers are everywhere. They're all over the world. But I also want us to see that we are to show mercy to those who doubt. Now, the doubt that I'm talking about here and that we see here is not talking about the scoffers. It's not talking about the, what we think of now as the atheists, people who are anti-God, who doubt everything has to do with God. That's not what we're talking about. That's not what we see here. Translated, doubt literally means to they are confused. They are confused with what the scoffers are saying. They hear the preacher saying this here, and then the scoffer saying this here. They are confused. They don't know what to believe. I was at this point. There was, there was a famous pastor, I'm not going to say his name, but that I listened to way back when before I was a Christian. And there would be no way that I would ever be called for a million plus dollars to listen to him now. I was confused. That's what these people are. They are confused. They don't know if they should be the scoffers or what the preacher says. They're not sure. They're confused. And scoffers today in our churches all over the world are confusing people by what marriage looks like, what the family looks like. They're confusing people. Scoffers there are confusing people by issues when it comes to race that we should be divided. They're confused. These things are, are accepted by the world. They're confusing that with the inside the church, and that's not what we're here for. 
There are scoffers confusing people about what the gospel is. What it takes to have salvation. People are confused. They're confused by the errors of the false teachers and the scoffers. They're confused. But guess what? We need to show them mercy. Because guess what? We were shown mercy. We were all in that spot at one time. We were all confused. But we are to show them mercy because we have got that same mercy to us. And this is also key. The scoffers always go after the weak. The vulnerable. The immature in the faith. That's who the scoffers go after. The people who don't know it, who are weak, who are immature in the faith, who are vulnerable. The scoffers seek them people out. Again, these are the people who are confused. Then we move to one of my favorite parts in all of Scripture. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. Guys, the implication of this is that they're already in the fire. These people are already in there. They've already on their way to hell. That's where they're going. They've bought in. They are convinced of these scoffers, of these false teachings. They're already in the fire. They've believed these false teachers. They're all in. They've bought into the lies. They've bought into things opposite of what God says. This imagery is wild. Snatching them out of the fire literally means to take by force. To carry away. To attack. This is not gentle. This is not the fluff that it's on TV. It's not the fluff that these scoffers want you to hear. This is real. They are in the fire. They're on their way to hell. We are literally snatching them out of the fire. I don't have time to read Zechariah 3 to you, but we see a crazy story of Joshua, Satan, and the angels and the Lord rescuing the high priest from the fire. This represents, think, think of a log that you throw in a fire. It's in there. Then it gets pulled out at the right time before it burns. That is what you call evangelism. You're literally snatching them out of the fire. You're snatching out of the fire and you're rescuing them. Again, as we talked about earlier, we have to remember that we were all in that fire. We were those logs in the fire. For us Christians, we were snatched out and saved. We have talked about what we need to do to persevere in these last times. We have seen the term, but you twice. Let's look at verse 24 and 25. 
Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. So we talked about, but you twice. In our last two verses, the doxology, it's not about us, it's about him. It's not about you, it's about him. It's about praising him. It's about giving him praise to the one true God. The only Savior who is to receive all honor is him, is God. This doxology calms all the fears that we have in this crazy time. There are fears that we all have living now. But these two verses calm all those fears. This doxology gives us that hope that we're all persevering to receive and have. In this doxology, we see and get the term perseverance of the saints. If you are a Christian, you are a saint. You are going to persevere. What does that mean? We have a God who once he saves us, saves us from death, saves us from eternal separation from him, guess what? He's not letting you go. He is not letting you go. No one, I mean, no one is ripping him, ripping us, ripping you from him. No one's touching you. No one's taking you from his grasp. In these last two verses, we can take away two things. He preserves us and he presents us. We can't preserve ourselves on our own in these times. We can't survive in these last times on our own and without him. We are not able to do that. But God is able. Because guess what? We are weak. We are selfish. We are sinful. We get scared. But he is able. He is able to guard us. As I ask the band to come up, I want to read Ephesians 3.20 to you. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. We are safe in his arms. We are safe in these times that we are living in, in his arms. He keeps you safe from scoffers. He keeps you safe from false teachers. keeps us from falling into false teachings. I want to read this hymn that I, uh, part of this hymn that I love, I saw in my studies. It's, it, the title is, He Will Hold Me Fast. Those he saves are his delight. Christ will hold me fast. Precious in his Holy Spirit, he will hold me fast. He'll not let my soul be lost. His promises shall last. Bought by him at such a cost, he will hold me fast. Guys, things are going to get rough. Things are rough now. 
Things are hard. We are going to have to persevere in the last times. In the end times. We are going to have to persevere in these last times. But by persevering, we will get our prize. We will get our reward. Our prize and reward is eternal life in heaven with him forever. Where no one can take you away from that. There will be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more hard times. But living forever and praising the one true God. Let us pray.